everybody to M Class Email. I'm Jeff. And I'm Josh. Jorf and Jeef. <laughs> Jorf and Jeef. <laughs> and, a blork and florkin. <laughs> and uh, today, in a, in a weird twist of fate, uh, we're going to be reading your emails. <laughs> weird. This happens every other Wednesday. It's it is weird. It is strange. Um, I'd like to apologize right out the gate that Kevin Cole isn't here. Uh, our audio issues keep him from being in this episode. We apologize. Yeah, we've had uh, qu- quarantine internet problems big time. So much. So it's, much. I don't know. Maybe you guys know. At like everybody else knows. Like, is the internet fucking horrible for everybody? Because yeah. it's like terrible. It's sucking a dick. And for some reason, Josh and I have a perfect connection to each other, but to no one else. Which I that guess is sense. also Just true in our, real life. Yeah, our personal life, yeah. <laughs> our sex life. Yeah, you know, it's all the same. Let's get into these emails. What do you say? Oh, I'm gonna squeemail. <laughs> what? Man, that was fucking ten out of ten joke, Josh. Um. <laughs> Our Thanks. first email is from Pizza Man. Pizza Man. And it is entitled Western Collection. <laughs> Everyone's Panars and stuff. <laughs> Ahoy hoy, Trek Baboy Boys. Nice. This collection was conceived with the idea that y'all hadn't done Fistful of Datas yet, and I wanted Josh to say Lady Guinan. Oh, no. I didn't say Lady Guinan. Oh, well, that's not happening yet. Oh, yeah. That's... Next week? No, two weeks from now. Two, yeah. Well, th- four weeks from now. All Westerns are cool. What's your favorite aspect of a Cowboy's utility belt? Mine is the cow peeler. Okay, bye. Citizen What's third class. Peeler? Pizza man of the USS. Help, I'm trapped in a starship factory. <laughs> What's a cow peeler? I think it's just a joke. <laughs> I, don't oh, I, I don't know. Is I thought maybe it was like a real thing. I don't, I don't think know. it's a, Why would you need to peel a cow? I don't know. What I don't know I don't know. My favorite cowboys are crazy. My favorite thing on a cowboy's utility belt is the Rudy Tootie point and shooty. It's my favorite. <laughs> the gun. The my gun. favorite thing is the hot dogs and the bandolier. <laughs> fucking callback. That's, that's my favorite thing. If you remember a week ago, if you remember that joke. Although I guess patrons could listen to it right now. Yeah, they heard it. Like they're probably listening to us for four hours straight, Which right? Is insane, but thank <laughs> Sometimes you. Sometimes it's close to that. Yeah, like we talk to each other for like six or seven hours when we record. It's insane. It's crazy. Sometimes I look at the clock and I'm like, holy shit, been we, on this for like five yeah, hours. <laughs> well, we only really talk besides like text messages and shit. Then, so we just get right. a week's worth of talking into one day. Yeah. We don't get on Skype and just, like, chit-chat. No. We're not like, yeah, let's just talk. Yeah, let's no. just talk about boys, although maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. What are you doing later? Uh, talking about boys, I think. Oh, cool. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing a trivia later, which by the time you uh, listen yeah. to this, is going to be so too late. So far away. Yeah, it already you're already lost because it happens. <laughs> yeah. Try to go back in time and be at it, dum-dum. Um, <laughs> Stupid. Thanks for the email, Pizza Man. I'm sure you'll be there. Pizza Man will be there. Uh, our next email is entitled uh, Babby's First Email. And, <laughs> okay. Oh, man. How long is it? Is it 5,000 pages long? Yeah. <laughs> I kind I want to take a break from the email show at this point because, like, uh, I receive a lot of shit for talking about how emails should be short. 
There's a why. There's a uh, a time limit for how long we want the show to be. We want it to be with between an hour and hour and a half. Yeah. And an the hour thing is, is the longer your email is, the less time we get to spend reading other people's emails. You're like right. bogarting our time reading the emails, and I know no one means to do that. That's not anything right, exactly, anybody right. means to do. Right. But uh, pitch it or ditch it's are not scripts. Everybody is right. since uh, our boy Rich it's Masters rich. Yeah, yeah. fucked our whole algorithm up with this great show. <laughs> have been sending in pitch it or ditch it's as scripts. Yeah, pitch it or ditch it's are are not like script writing. Yeah, it's all just like that. That game is like here's a fun idea or a good idea. Sometimes like you have to like elaborate a little bit. That's fine. Yeah, but, this is like yeah. this is like a, a script. Yeah. It's uh one, two, three, four, five <laughs> paragraphs long. Okay. Um I'm going to skip your peyote. I'm sorry. Like let's just say it's we'll pitch it because it's long and probably well thought out. So I'll I'm gonna what, pitch it. I'll read it really fast and we'll see if we understand it. How about that? Okay, happen? okay. Uh, okay, like the micro machine man. Be like the micro machine man. Uh, I'll start with regularly for the first part. Uh, howdy Jeff okay. and Josh, and also maybe Kevin if I sent this at the right time. Nope. You did, but no. Uh, big fan of Counselor Troy is rad Wild West bounty hunter here. Uh, we definitely yeah. agreed with the... Durango. Durango, Doug. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really grow up with Star Trek in any meaningful capacity, but I started listening to M-Class a few months ago, and I really enjoyed listening to you gush about it. I've watched oh, yeah. some of your more highly recommended episode, and what I've seen so far has been great. Episodes like The Drumhead and In the Pale Moonlight have been absolutely gripping, while episodes like Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite and A Fistful of Datas left me with a big, goofy grin the entire time. That's Star Trek, baby. It's that great dichotomy that I love, that delicious dichotomy. (laughs) Double Ds. Everybody loves those double Ds. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I've got an exciting installment of Boston Sean Dupree's Pitch It or Ditch It for you. I know it's Mm -hmm. a bit lengthy, especially for a joke episode, but I had a lot of fun writing it, and I hope you'll enjoy it, too. Here we go. Okay. It's a peyote set in the M-Class universe, and it's entitled The Fall of Satellite M. Oh, no. Ditch it. I don't want to die. Jeff and Josh are doing cool wiener science stuff on board Satellite M when they're suddenly visited by Saurus and Tandar from the Space Kings crossover episode. The live studio audience erupts into uncontrollable applause. The Trek boys immediately become best friends with Saurus and Tandar as a, mean of, as a means of cementing this friendship. They initiate their thrusters on the station to take Satellite M on a quick joyride. However, Saurus and Tandar flip a double joker and the satellite crashes under the surface of the dune buggy planet. <laughs> That's really good. It's Saris, actually. I've been saying my own character's name wrong. That's all right. Because it's Sarek. Saris? Saris, yeah. I'm actually kind of into this. So, meanwhile, in the (laughs) B-plot, Ensign Kevin Cole is currently stationed on board the same Federation starship as Admiral Oram. Wow, that's weird. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Kevin notices that Satellite M's signal has gone offline and begins worrying that if anyone else finds out about this, he'll be court-martialed for years' worth of inaccurate reports about the Trek Boys' <laughs> wacky antics. Kevin immediately begins trying to distract Admiral Orem with all manner of hilarious sitcom-ass hijinks, even though Orem's just trying to enjoy a delicious New England clam chowder and a sourdough bread bowl. You know what I just realized? What's that? We're mash in space. Oh, Oh. We're just mash. <laughs> You've heard of wagon train to, to the stars. You've heard of the, the fucking rawhide station or whatever. Now, 
smash, but in space. Nice. Kevin flips a joker, and the clam chowder ends up getting spilled all over the Admiral's lap. Oh, Fed no. up, Admiral Orem orders Kevin to return to his quarters. You have to remember, both of these characters are played by Kevin Cole. <laughs> it's going to be awkward for him. On the surface of the dune buggy planet, Saris has an idea to fix Satellite M. He postulates, perhaps we can use the dune buggy stored in the satellite's platform, in the satellite to perform some totally fucking sick tricks. Fuck yeah. The resulting output of radical energy may be enough to return the satellite to orbit. It would be like harnessing the power of love, as outlined in the hit 1985 single by (laughs) Huey Lewis in the News, except we would be, instead, harnessing the power of sick dune buggy stunts. That's a pretty good uh, (laughs) Saris. It's almost like... I have some experience. No, I mean, but his re- his no like, kidding, rendition dude. is good. He's so good at it. Yeah. Like, he should play him, actually. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeff and Josh agree that Sarah's proposal is scientifically sound. Without hesitation, Tandar removes his shades, revealing an even cooler pair of shades underneath. Fuck yeah. All right, he gets these characters. Like, this is spot on. This is fucking spot on, dude. Tandar begins pulling off incredibly epic maneuvers and even starts riding the dune buggy around like a skateboard? How is that even possible? That's like fucking jackass part three type shit. (laughs) Within mere minutes, the satellite has accumulated enough energy to fully repair itself and ascend back into space. Also, Jeff and Josh filmed all of Tandor's stunts with a fisheye lens, and they cut the Dude. footage together to make a fucking sweet skate music video. <laughs> it's just fucking sad. It's like jackass. <laughs> That's amazing. The episode ends with Kevin being called to the bridge, where Admiral Oren begins lecturing him about the importance of never letting good soup go to waste. Kevin realizes that Satellite M is back in orbit, and neither Oren nor anyone else on the bridge crew seems to have noticed that anything went wrong. A wave of relief washes over Kevin as he looks directly at the camera and says, Don't worry, Admiral. Next time, I'll be sure to keep clam and carry on. Wink. (laughs) I like how Kevin is fucking Ferris Bueller. But, because comedy comes in threes, Kevin flips another joker and a deafening silence befalls the bridge. You know, keep, keep clam? Like, because of the clam chowder. Kevin Stammers. rolled for catchphrase. It didn't work. <laughs> Suddenly, one of the extras on the set farts, and the entire bridge bursts into laughter. Freeze Fuck frame dude. roll credits. <laughs> Farter takes the takes the day. <laughs> That's all I've got for now. Keep up the great work. Ensign Michael James, stellar cartographer aboard the USS Pinwheel. Uh, pitch it. That was, those were great Saris and Tandar They really moments. were, man. I'm gonna, Those were great. I'm going to hyper-pitch it. Right after I got done with my lecture about long emails, so... <laughs> what do, there's egg on my face, I'll tell you what. <laughs> there's fart on your face. I got. I was the extra that farted at the end that everybody laughed at. That was me. <laughs> the rogue farter. Um, what I said does still stand to everybody. <laughs> 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 this wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. I will say that. Yeah, some of them we get, though, are, like, not not calling anybody out, but some of them are, like, two pages. And yeah. it's like, whoa. This was, this was fairly long, but I did read it fairly quickly and got through it. But uh, You did a great Micro Machine, man. <laughs> I didn't know I had it in me. Um, <laughs> our next email is spam. It is from oh. uh, Jesse Sadja uh, from okay. See Ya Live. 
Oh, should we do this? Should we See get on this live. opportunity? Hi, Jeff and Josh. My name is Jesse, and I am the BD lead at See You Live. I contacted you a while ago about hosting a Big live stream on our platform, and I just thought I'd reach out again. A live stream? We want to well, give how you, would that work? We want to give you the ability to host movies, YouTube, and game nights with your fans. Our platform allows you to be on the screen at the same time as other content, like Twitch, but oh. for non-gamers. Like every other thing that exists. Um, no thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, you Big can watch lead. the Adams Family on the streaming service. So it's oh, really? Good. The first one? Yeah, Coneheads. Pretty good. Ah, oh, Coneheads is decent. Face Off. All right, all right. We're getting oh, there. Fuck. All right, I'm in. Never mind, I'm in. Oh, you can't watch Anchorman outside of Canada. Uh-oh. Uh, why do they get Anchorman? It's not fair. It's Fuck. stuff you can stream on the service. Like, there's a list, and it's very short. But why does Canada get it? I don't understand. You can stream Mean Girls on the service. All right, that's all Oh, right. shit, you can stream Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. Fuck, dude. Neat. I don't want to do this, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> thank you, but no thank you, Jesse. Our next email is from Goofus, and it is entitled Ecstasy of Space Gold, which is strange, but, uh... <laughs> like, Latinum? I would have called it Ecstasy of Latinum. It begins, hoo-wee, it's me, Phantom Thief, Phantom Cowboy Goofus, the roughest, <laughs> toughest, rootinest, tootinest, shootinest cowboy in the Space West. Damn. Space West. Me and the cool crime bandits are here to rob your, uh, your. We're here to rob this here space train. Shoots a bunch of lasers like Yosemite Sam. Pew 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 pew. Whoa, man, you're wasting lasers. Just firing holes through the hull into space. Yeah. Explosive decompression. Yeah, okay, I'm done with that bit. I don't think I could have sustained it for the whole way through. Last time I wrote in, I wasn't in the best place mentally. I'm doing much better now. Y'all on the Discord are great company. It makes me feel like my issues aren't unique. Which they aren't, but your brain is really good at convincing you about all kinds of things. Your brains are really tricky. It's always thinking, that brain. It's almost like it's, it's always, a brain or something. It's not thinking, like, for you. It's thinking for itself. Yeah. That's brains, dude. It's trying to slosh around in its goo for itself only. Yeah. It's disgusting pink-gray matter. <laughs> anyway, what kind of space westerns do you guys like? I'm partial to Firefly and the Borderlands games. And also, hey, Kevin, nope. Nope. Almost, though. So close. <laughs> I think my uncommon canon movie is Biodome. I watched it a lot with my brother. Bye for now. <laughs> Phantom, the Phantom Cowboy Goofus, leader of the most feared of the cool crime bandits, wanted dead or alive for 69,420 bars of gold-pressed latinum. That's so many fucking bars. <laughs> Biodome? Like, I watched Biodome a lot, but I would not put it into any canon. <laughs> what, what's the canon of Biodome? The uncommon canon, from what I understand from Pretend Friends Off Weeks, is it is a movie that you yourself think is indispensable, but you don't think but is good. Is good. Oh, Demolition Man is my favorite. I think Demolition Man is too good to be a part of this canon you next to Biodome. So? Really? All right. The only uh, thing that stops Demolition Man from being a great movie is the fact that Sylvester Stallone is the main character. Is the main character, yeah. <laughs> Ladybugs, then. The soccer movie with Ronnie Taylor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now we're getting there. <laughs> that movie's fucking god-awful in every way, but I love it. 
Oh man, uh, Biodome is definitely one that I think Biodome is so bad. Pretty it's much terrible. Holy Shore movie, really? Yeah, uh, Encino Man probably is his best movie. Encino Man would probably be my uncommon canon. It's not a yeah, good movie, like, but I fucking no. love it. It's great. It's a great movie. Mall Rats. Yeah, Mall Rats is too good. I think probably because it's like peak like when kevin smith was like really funny yeah it's not only peak kevin smith but it is peak early 90s 90s it's perfect 1993 yeah it's like this is what 1993 was yeah um uh that's not the question the question is what type of space westerns do you oh i mean star wars right like star wars is half space western half space fantasy fantasy yeah kotor like the, the, I think that's more westerny. It's true. Than the movies are. Uh, like Firefly is good. I like Firefly a lot, but Cowboy uh, Bebop. Cowboy then. Bebop is probably my favorite space yeah. western. Yeah, it's gotta be Bebop. See a space cowboy. Oh god, I love that show. Holy so shit, so fucking good. I haven't watched it in, in a while. I should do that. You got the time. Is it on, like, one of the things? Is it on, I don't know. like, Amazon or something? Finally, there's time. Uh, it was time now. <laughs> um, the Space Westerns tend to be either really good or really garbage. Really bad, yeah. Most of them are bad. I, I can't think of a really bad one, but... Uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of them, right? Like, let's do let's do a little bit of um, googling. Yeah, best space westerns. I'll look up space westerns to see what people consider space westerns. You're gonna get like a whole bunch of weird, like weird shit. Probably. Uh, Solo, know. Serenity, Star Trek Five, I guess. <laughs> Oh, because they're in the desert, right? Oh, you got Ghosts of Mars. That's a pretty fucking terrible Ghosts movie. Ghosts of Mars. Holy. There's not a lot of good on I don't even know what half this crap is. Stingray Sam. That's a great one. Oh, Mandalorian is like, you know, you know Star Wars. I watched... Have you seen Solo? Yeah. Not that bad. It's it's not terrible, no. It's not that it's, bad. It's all right. It's got its redeeming it's qualities. Crazy. It's crazy that everything that happened to make Han Solo Han Solo happened within yeah, three days. Yeah, pretty much but. the same three days. <laughs> the dumbest part but, about yeah. it is how he got his name as well. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as an origin story movie, like he's not a superhero. Uh, yeah. Not everything that happened to make him who he is happened on the same day. Yeah, Ansel, whatever is the guy who plays him, doesn't do a terrible job. No, I mean, you can tell that he probably, like, the acting lessons helped that he had to get. Yeah, they they taught him how to be... I, I just... It's tough, because, like, who can be Harrison Ford? Like, nobody. Nobody, nobody can be Harrison nobody Ford. Nobody can be Harrison Ford. Yeah. it's You're, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. You know what I always find really funny? Is people were ungodly mad at John Boyega because he like Why? somebody asked him something about Star Wars and he was like I don't know I just act in him yeah like he's not like a super yeah. fan and they were mad at him they were like this fucking guy doesn't care about Star Wars and he gets to be <laughs> in it like he's a fucking piece of shit oh, and then so Harrison love, Ford yeah. is like yeah these movies are garbage so yeah and they're like I love you yeah I that's so you. Han Solo to say oh I love you yeah it's stupid <laughs> so fucking yeah. dumb uh yeah, Cowboy Bebop is my answer. Thank that's you. That's the that's the Thank answer. Thank you for yeah. the email. Uh, our next email is uh, from Colin Fulmer, and it is entitled "First Contact Schmerst Schmontact." <laughs> okay. 
Greetings, old boys of Trek. Because of the quarantine and not having things to do, at least things I want to do, I've taken a dip into the massive pool that is Warhammer 40k, and goddamn them boys don't handle First Contact well. Yeah, that whole shit is like bananas town. Well, First Contact with Warhammer 40k is like, let's see how many of these weird aliens we can fucking murder and subjugate. So It's very like neo-fascistic and fucking Romans and shit, right? Space Romans. They are space Romans. Yep. Uh, anyway, I was just wondering what your opinion was on this popular science theory. The universe is so young, as seen by the lack of an abundance of heavier elements, that there's a distinct possibility that no other species close enough have developed light travel or faster than light travel, and therefore we are left alone in our galactic cluster. That's called the early bloomer theory, I believe. I think you're right. It's one of the one of the like why haven't we found aliens yet which like i don't even know if i believe we haven't <laughs> so uh the th- i feel like it's unnecessary to have a theory for it as well like, right we haven't found it- aliens yet because space is fucking massive bro like it's real big out there yeah it's tough like because we're just like hanging around our backyard right we're not yeah. going out into the world to see what's we're, we can't I don't know. We uh, always do talk I think about that, that's that. Like maybe there aren't. Maybe the other species haven't built faster than life yet. Maybe they're not uh, advanced enough. And I'm like, yeah, us neither, dude. Like we don't have any of that. Yeah, either. we don't have any. We don't have. We're not even close. Yeah, I. I don't. Like, I tend to think that that's not what's happening because, like, look how fast over the just our species lifetime. Like, look how quick we evolved to go into space. Two hundred thousand years is like nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're like already in space. Like if we can do that, there's people who have their shit together way more than us who can have maybe have had millions of millions of years of evolution who are just like, I mean maybe they're not even recognizable to us. Maybe they're like fucking giant computers or something. Like who even fucking knows? Maybe they're like interdimensional. Maybe. Who knows? To use a metaphor, I think all of our listeners will understand. Uh, we as human beings are like the Saiyans. Yeah. We are extremely brutal and prone to battle and murder and hatred, and yet we still figured out how to make balls that go into space. Yeah. And then Frieza and his people show up. Well, actually, before that, the fucking Arcosians show up, and they're, like, peaceful, and we kill them and steal all their technology. So Yeah, we the cling on <laughs> them, right? It's, uh... So shit could, like... Like, we're pretty bad at being good at things whenever humans get good at things other humans try and tear it down because they're not the ones who got good at things right it's power yeah there there might be a species out there in the lone universe somewhere that doesn't have that impediment stopping them i think it's impossible i mean the infinity of it all if if the universe is infinite then it would suggest there is also an infinite amount of species who have achieved faster than light travel somehow whether it's wormholes, even if life is like a fluke that right. happened on Earth because of a fluke, there's, there's still no way in amount the amount of flukes. Yeah, there's no way in the infinite <laughs> yeah. amount of space. Or space is, I guess, space is supposedly finite, but it's infinitely expanding. Right, but it's also so he like. I mean, the numbers are they're incomprehensible numbers. Yeah. So, like, like somewhere out there, there that fluke has to have repeated a number of times. Right, it can't. Probability does believe. not allow for that not to have happened. I think we're finding that like life, once life exists, it is extremely difficult to get rid of. 
Oh, like, yeah. I was reading a thing about Bikini Atoll, the island where America blew up all these nuclear bombs. In yeah, the we tested all of our bombs there, yeah. And we, like, ruined that. We, like, fucked the indigenous people. Like, like, we do best, right? We fucked them over. But, like, ten years after we stopped doing it, life already was, like, back. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, we dropped, like, like four or five dozen wet nuclear weapons on this place. It's and unstoppable. It's like, it's life just, life yeah. uh, finds a way. Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> It's uh, he asks if we find that that idea to be uh, as ni- as space as nihilistic and shitty as Earth, and I don't think so. No, I think we're we're just young and dumb and yeah, full of cum. Absolutely, young, dumb, and full of you know, wink. You know you what? Know. The c word. Um, he says I may have gotten some shit wrong because I'm an arts major and I've just seen this shit in YouTube videos, but it all sounds possible. <laughs> Um, yeah, all of, any I don't, of them. I don't possible. think aliens have been here. I know Josh kind of differs with me on there. I don't think they've been here, but I do think that there's absolutely no possibility that they don't exist. I think the UFO phenomenon isn't necessarily ships, but there's something so out of our realm of understanding that it causes us our brains like break. Like we don't know how to think so about it. It's like it. a Cthulhu. Sort of. I think it's. I think it's like dimensional. I think there's something like holes in the universe and there's things are coming through. I don't know what it is, but I mean, you got like fighter pilots who are like, yeah, I saw a fucking UFO and like, it's a fighter pilot. Like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right. Like, yeah, but UFO just means unidentified flying object. It yeah, could but have he's been like, literally anything. There's one, there's a, then one that just came out that the Pentagon just like said the was a thing. The fucking Blink 182 guy. Yeah, that guy. He did he it. Said it. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, this this pilot was, like, on a bunch of shit, and he was like, yeah, I saw this, like, ship, and he was, like, moving around, like, crazy. He's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, your brain just, like, can't handle it. And it, so it's definitely something. I don't know what it is. It seems smart. It's, it seems to, like, people say that, like, it, like, knows what you're doing before you do it, which is, like, insane. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, if this type of stuff does break your mind, it makes perfect sense that everybody who reports, like, UFOs and shit seem to be unhinged in some way or have, like, some yeah. sort of... <laughs> well, that, like, it could be that, too. Like, there, there are very few people who don't come off as completely unhinged or crazy who well, have seen right. aliens. It sounds like you're nuts because what you're describing is nuts. It's true. It's know. true. But, I mean, there's definitely... Our society is... Fucking, I mean, the government was like, yeah, we found a bunch of UFOs and shit. Here's the info. And most people were just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't care. Like, like, <laughs> right. It's it, it's just buck wild to me that you could just be like, I don't give a fuck about aliens. Whatever. <laughs> I don't get it. But, but I, I, think, I guess it's like yeah. our culture is so ingrained with all these alien sci-fi shit that like people are just like, ah, it's old hat. I find that theory that, like, that's on purpose more interesting. I don't necessarily believe that at all, because there's always stories about dragons. In the past, it was yeah. dragons, right? Now it's aliens. It's just a different name for kind of the same thing. It's, but, like, it's, I like the theory that, like, we're being conditioned to be okay with aliens, because eventually they're going to come. Right? I, had this, like, I had this idea once that I thought was really funny, where... Uh, Back in, like, between, like, the 60s and earlier, all aliens and media were little green men all the way yeah. back to, like, the 20s and shit. Yeah. And then suddenly they became the greys in, like, the late Gray. 70s and the 80s. And yeah. I had this idea that little green men were the ones that were coming to our planet, and they were like, I don't want this shit anymore. I'll sell it to you, greys. 
<laughs> they like sold Earth. They just like fucking, a fucking like, used car. Yeah, they sold Earth like a used car. The Greys keep coming back because they're like, uh, what can we use this for? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do we get rid of these fucking monkeys on this place? This place kind of sucks. Like they fucked this environment yeah. up. What are we gonna use they're this for? This We're gonna need to come in. I, <laughs> I saw a funny TikTok about that. Oh, the dude like, who's like, y'all got any questers? Yeah. That guy? He's like, he's that like, dude is no so questers. fucking funny. <laughs> that dude's hilarious. How are you going to kill us with no questers? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> we'll just use our guns. Oh, are you the leader? No, our leader's Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm the leader. Yeah, I'm the leader. <laughs> dude, that shit is hilarious. That dude is so fucking funny. I wish I could credit him. I'm just stealing his I know. fucking I don't know. Now. I don't know what his name is, but he's really fucking funny. If you go on anybody's Twitter right now, they'll have retweeted yeah. it. So yeah. go check you that out. You don't got any questers? How are you going to kill any questers? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, he finishes out the email that we sort of talked about with sincerely uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Colin Fulmer aboard the USS Skulls for the Skull Throne, Blood for the Blood God. Oh, that's Warhammery as fuck, yeah. Um, the Josh and I definitely uh, differ about our opinions of aliens, but we both definitely believe that they must exist. There's no chance that they yeah, don't. Yeah, whether or not they, like, I don't know if I even really, like, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. You're like right? an alien agnostic. Yeah. They may I've have seen, come to uh, Earth. I've had a weird, I've seen a weird thing once. That did happen, so. And uh, I, I told that I ghost know. story <laughs> once, but I still don't believe in ghosts. I guess that's just being dumb. If, like, you have a supernatural <laughs> experience and you're like, nah, it wasn't real. You're well, that's the thing. Like, a lot of the stuff that people see, it just like it's so, it it like your brain just stops. Like you don't like you're like, what the fuck am I looking at? Because like when you look around every day, you're like, oh, that's a clock, that's a fan, right? You're yeah, just, you're used to seeing shit. Like, oh, that's a building, but then you see something and you're just completely unexplainable, and you're like, I don't even know what to say the, about uh, that. The thing is, like, I told the story on a shoot the shit about like spooky stories and shit. Where uh, one night we passed a little shack, a ramshackle shack with like uh, lights in it yeah. on the way home, and then we came back the next day and it was gone. And I love this. I love this shit. The thing is, there are a lot of like itinerant mine workers. That come right, through where been, I used right. to live, so they the, they literally probably built that during the night and tore it down and took it with them. <laughs> Just took the next it down, day. like 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 a Romany, right? But it was like, still yeah, scary as fuck at the time. I was like, oh god, a ghost shack, <laughs> ghost, <laughs> a little old place where we can get together. <laughs> um, tin roof, not there anymore. <laughs> Thanks for that email, Colin. <laughs> Uh, our next email is from David S. Uh, David S. Maybe he could stop fucking complaining about not getting his emails read. Oh, okay. Uh, it. Okay. <laughs> it is entitled, This is a collect subspace transmission from... No, Marge, I ain't milked her yet. You gotta wait. Do you accept the charges? Uh, Sure. Put it on uh, our company card. Whatever country accent you're feeling, Georgia, Crazy Sp- Prospector, whatever. Also, Lawn Lawn <laughs> Ranch music is playing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can hear it. Let me do. Well, I'll be a Klingon's uncle. It's the Trek Boys. Let me just finish up milking this here horda real quick. Ew. Soft grunts as if standing up. I'm just reading the oh, direction. No, don't, don't do the yeah. grunts. 
<laughs> you know how old Margaret Sally Mayweather gets when she hasn't had her horchata. <laughs> Is that where horchata comes from, horgun? <laughs> yep, meaner than a captive power cat, that one. Anyway, I'm glad you came by because I was meaning to ask. Oh, y'all brought a friend. No, we didn't. <laughs> nope, sorry. He's he's not here. Uh, in fact, I hear it only costs a dollar to be y'all's friend nowadays. Oh, yeah. If I were some sort of currency-using, quarantine-enduring, six-shooting fan of Star Trek, I'd send you that buckaroo faster than you could say Tom Paris's clutch of catfish pups. <laughs> God. <laughs> Sick. Anyway, I've been wondering about them ancient West Holy Deck programs. I normally just play myself in them programs, just a modest ranch hand or corn farmer or spittoon dumper. <laughs> Fucking boring. Or even a wandering circumciser. <laughs> I know you boys, I think that's called a moil. <laughs> Oil, yeah. <laughs> I know you boys is a little more adventurous though. So, what sorts of type, a typical Western characters would y'all like to chance to play? I heard oh, that man. that their counselor Troy enjoys the mysterious stranger role. I reckon yeah. she looks forward to a looser change of clothes on account of her outfits normally being so tight you can see her religion. What does that mean on a lady? <laughs> religion is I guess a vagina. Her religion is vagina haver. Losing my religion is like the virginity, right? That's what that means. Or no, it means getting angry. That's what it is. Um, what would you play in a holodeck uh, cowboy adventure? I don't know if I would ever play a cowboy adventure. I don't know. I love, like Luke said, like in the show, like I love spaghetti westerns and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know who's better than Clint Eastwood. Who's better than the man without a name? Nobody. Nobody. Right. Absolutely. And, nobody. Like, I don't know. Would I want to play him? And I don't know, maybe, but that's uh, who I would be. I guess I don't know. I would definitely just be a sheriff, like Worf, a sheriff. <laughs> and just run doggone galoots out of my town. <laughs> Fucking Westworld it up, like absolutely. Uh, the guy from Unforgiven, Bill, Bill, what's his name? Fuck. Uh, the guy who played. Uh, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, yeah. yeah. Fucking, uh, yeah. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, uh, I, my brain is like totally fried. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> I slept very <laughs> little like, last yeah. night, so I have like no brain power. Uh, yeah, definitely sheriff. I might like mix it up and do like train robber. I feel like that would be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, like rob a train would be kind of fun. Like ride up on your Maybe. horse and jump in and be like, "Give me all your goods." You said it during the show. A Western, like a Western Robin Hood, would be cool. Oh, that would be super fun. Stealing gold and shit. That'd be fun. Robbing gold bullion from the train and giving it to like the yeah. villagers in like some tiny little town. I think I would rather play an Indiana Jones than a Western guy. Oh yeah, an Indiana Jones would be super fun. That would be way more fun. That's like my big like like going on an adventure to find like a relic. That's so oh, yeah. fun. I think we talked about that. That like Indiana Jones would be one of the things that would definitely survive to like yeah. the future when holodecks were around because people would yeah. be so into playing Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's so universal. It's just a very like I think Western is very American. It's like, true. Like Westerns are like for Americans and British people who like Westerns. There's like a there handful are a of, lot British of British people, people that like <laughs> who like that shit. <laughs> The, uh, but like other than that, nobody cares. Dude, I'd love to do like a fucking samurai, 
like oh, fuck yeah just do like the showdown with like the cherry blossoms and the sunset dude you gotta watch westworld holy shit there's, there's a it. samurai in westworld they go to like samurai world yeah oh cool there's like all these different worlds that they like go it's crazy i was talking to, there's a a game where that's like a major mechanic i mean you always have your like bushido blade games you ever play yeah, bushido yeah. blade oh i love that game's great yeah fucking why did they never bring those type of mechanics back where like no you get hit real good once and you die like You're dead, yeah. The game was so fucking fun. Like rounds took like two seconds, but they were so fun. We played it on the continue, and like we had a blast, man. And I remember like picking the different weapons is like super oh, fun. Yeah. It is super fucking fun. It's a good game. It's a shame they didn't do like more. They didn't make more, more games like that. They could do it now for like VR. Like why don't they do that? Oh yeah, that'd be perfect. You gotta make your sword, like, pick it and, like, put it together yeah. and shit. That'd be fucking rad. You hear that, Bushido Blade, whoever owns the rights to that? We got an idea for you. I don't even know who makes that, yeah. I don't know either, actually. Um, yeah, I'd sheriff, train robber. Like, I definitely wouldn't want to be an actual cowboy and, like, herd. I don't have any interest in that. No, I don't want to ride a horse. <laughs> uh, have you ever ridden a horse before? I rode, <laughs> I've ridden a camel. That's fun. And I rode fun. an and I rode an elephant once. How in the fuck did you ride an elephant? There was like a thing. There was like a circusy like fair thing, oh, and there okay. was elephants, and they were like, "You want to ride?" And I was like, "Yeah." How'd you ride the camel? Was it the same situation? Yeah, it was the same place. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. But what? I've never ridden a horse, like, which is like four weird. Four years ago, maybe five, maybe six. Crystal and I went to like a trail, like up on the mountains in West Virginia, and they had like a horse trail. Yeah, and you could like uh, rent time to go on the horse trail on a horse. Mm-hmm. I'm six foot fucking three, like two hundred some pounds. Yeah, uh, this horse did not want me on his back. He was massive. No, you gotta get you gotta get a big boy. They got he, big boys. Yeah, he was that. a big boy. It took like I had to climb up this motherfucker. I was scared to death I was gonna fall, but he was an asshole and he kept going like trying to l- crane his head back to bite my legs. <laughs> He didn't like you. No, he didn't like me at all. And that's, like, I've never, very few times in my life have I had an animal not like me. But this horse hated me. Horses are weird. Like, I find horses to be, like, temperamental. Like, Zane has horses. And her first horse was kind of mean. Because he was, like, found. And I think that he was abused by his previous owners. Yeah, he's got the right to be mean at that point. Yeah, so he was kind of weird. But I find that all horses are just, like, they'll just fucking kick you. Like, they don't yeah. give a shit. They're like, fuck you, dude. Like, it was fun to ride the horse, and I definitely felt very, like, Tolkien riding the right. horse through the woods. Right, it's very nice. It was yeah. really cool. I would love to ride a horse that didn't want to eat my kneecaps. I think that would be <laughs> best. We should ride a horse at some point. We where, should. Can we, where can we ride horses? Uh, I'm sure there's probably some place in the middle of Pennsylvania where you could do that and we could just meet I up there and ride some horses. The, st- the state park in Bucks County, you can ride your horse there. Yeah, like I definitely horse and- don't have a horse. <laughs> I also don't have a horse. Josh is like, I fucking never ridden a horse in my life, but I do have one. <laughs> I bought several, <laughs> just in case. Uh, he finishes up the email by saying, "It's been about a week since I left Deep Dish Nine. Got picked up by the old USS Ding on its way out to visit the Melco the Melcodians for their annual OK Corral retreat and shoot Stravaganza." 
I got dropped <laughs> off about halfway at the Cassidy Federation Colony on Sundance 5 to help with horchata season. <laughs> oh my god, this sounds awesome. Well, I won't just, keep y'all. You just gave me a good idea. I would go do an Old West picnic with all kinds of good food. Oh, that'd That's be it. fucking great, dude. <laughs> Uh, well, I won't keep y'all going ahead and vamoose, you varmints. Signed, David S., head of horta milking and de-pizzification at Cassidy Colony on Sundance 5. <laughs> de-pizzification? P.S. Buy hiking Space Kings, you yellow-bellied sack of dirty duffel bag full of suitcase jammed with the... Uh, dog crap? <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> nice. Well- Kevin thanks you. He's not here, but yeah, he's not here. Thank, him. You, thank, thank you. Thank you. Like oh, Kevin. Kevin's thank here. Thank you. It's me, Kevin. Oh my God. I'm nice and always good. This that's him. This email is also long. Refer to my earlier thing, but I guess I'll read it. Um, <laughs> skip the skip the earlier. I, I might skip to some of it. Skip some of it, but it's entitled "Short for Me." Dot dot dot. I get it's a fun joke to fuck with Jeff and send a long email, <laughs> but besides Rich, I swear to every one of you, if you send a long email, I am not going to read it anymore. <laughs> I swear to every one of you. Like this is it. <laughs> He's like a dad. He's getting. Dad I am on getting us. full dad on these motherfuckers. He's full blown dad nuts. I feel like people are doing it just to spite oh, me yeah. at this point. No, they're doing it. To, yeah, they're fucking. They're fucking with you, of course. Which is uh, course. dad's got to put his fucking belt back on, I guess. Um, <laughs> Damn, we're gonna get whipped. Morning, Trek boys. Trek boys. First time, long time, and I have to say, I'm so glad you guys kept up with this whole thing. I first tuned in way back at the beginning and stopped after your Star Trek 3 episode due to quitting a lame-ass job. But I'm back, and it's been amazing. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back. Oh, your job fucked you over bad. (laughs) Your bard career has taken off, dude. (laughs) I'm ready to bard for anybody's life now. I I would be your patron if I was rich, but I'm poor. But what gives? I've run out of content already. I mean, it's only been like eight weeks of eight hours a day, five days a week of listening to you. Holy shit, dude. That's incredible. (laughs) What am I supposed to do now? Sign up for the M-Class Patreon for the low, low entry point of a dollar a month and throw money at you guys so I can get access to the rest of your works and apparently an amazing Discord server in order to keep myself busy during the shit show that is 2020? That's just (laughs) unreasonable. I'm sorry that you made your 2020 worse by listening to us for eight weeks in a row. No. That's the best use of 2020 you could have had. <laughs> That's the perfect use of your limited time here on Earth, is listening to us bitch <laughs> about Star Trek. Two ding-dongs talk about nothing. As a brief aside, it gives me no end of pleasure. Basically, sweet, sweet audio umox when you two give new Trek the shitting on it deserves. So please Thank continue you. at your leisure. Um, I feel like people like get annoyed with me about it, but like I don't know. The farther we get away from new track, I feel the more people are like getting on board with this. Like I don't know. You, you I'm think glad that people. Do you think the tide is turning against new yeah, track? I think new track is being seen for what it is because I think I it's impossible right, for dude. it not. I hope you're not, right. I mean, the show like Picard, like like it'll happen with Picard. Like it'll be on, and people will be like, eh, whatever. But like ten years from now, like. JJ Trek is going to be like, what the fuck was going on? What the fuck is this? I'm telling you. I can feel it. 
I can feel Ugh. it. I hope you're right, man. I really do. Because, like, I there's, like, we follow a lot of Star Trek, like, news sites and fans and stuff on, well, not a lot, yeah. but some on the M-Class Twitter. So I see it kind of scroll past, and all of it is, like, Star Trek Picard, greatest Star Trek ever. Yeah, I see that shit, too, that, like, press releasey shit. Like, yeah. on Google, I get a bunch of alerts for shit, and it's, like... Star Trek Picard new episode bl- mind blower. It's like it's all bull. It's all fucking clickbait bullshit, right? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, oh. I know you're all working hard or hardly working. And nice. I don't really and don't really want long emails, so I'll leave you with some questions to wet your whistle. And the knowledge Ooh. that as a wordy motherfucker, keeping this short is nigh on impossible. You better fucking try next time, my friends. <laughs> Daddy's taking his belt off, if you all know what I mean. Wink. Damn, this is going to get real hot. <laughs> Do they ever explain the difference in dilithium between TOS era and TNG era Star Trek? In the original, they needed to hunt down natural di- deposits of dilithium and hopefully not explode them like Klingons did Praxis. Big whoops. It couldn't <laughs> be replicated whoops. in order to make warp drives actually work rather than, you know, be giant bombs. In the TNG era, though, it's not brought up. Uh, it's still the same. It's brought were, up a few times. There were no yeah. replicators in TOS. There are food resequencers, but yeah. there are no. There's no I, such thing as a replicator at that point. I don't know. They may make synthetic dilithium. I don't really know, but I know that there's a couple times, especially in Voyager, where they need to find some. They're yeah. they're always looking for dilithium. They definitely mine dilithium on planets still. Yeah, they but still I do mean, that. the Federation is a much larger outfit at this point. Right, it's a little better at resource management. And he asks if Scotty passed along his knowledge of how to regrow the crystals from Star Trek Four, and I think he for sure did because I think oh, yeah. Jordy mentioned something about that. Yeah, they talk about it. They're like, "Oh, that that thing you did is really was great, and it made that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that's my big answer. Your next question is: You say you like licorice, so I'm gonna fucking skip that one. That's disgusting. Uh, Nobody likes sluggerish. What do you think of indoor farming? And do you think it's feasible to scale it down to a subsist- subsistence level where families can grow some veggies within the comfort of their own homes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a greenhouse thing. It's like a farming... I think more it would be like a community farm on a roof or something where everyone can... Tr- like a... What do they call that? A commune? Coll- co- collective? Commune? So- sort of yeah. like that, but not as hippie-ish. Yeah, maybe sure. more hippie-ish. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I think we're at a point now where like indoor farming is starting to become more of a thing. Like people yeah, who people live people who live in cities are starting to get they're getting tired of not having fresh options available. So right. they're starting to grow it themselves. Yeah, there's there's people who do it. I don't know about like large scale. How I, I think it's a good idea. I, I, when I was sitting here during this long nightmare that we're living through, mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like. I was like, man, I really want to grow, like, a flowers. I've you never should. thought that in my whole life. But, like, I kind of feel like now maybe it's, like, my humanity's coming out a little more. Like, I need to, like, step away from the nightmare of the computer. Because <laughs> I'm just on the computer all day. It's yeah. horrible. It's your, your body <laughs> and your brain is searching as hard as humanly possible yeah. for something to do that isn't looking at a screen. Like, life. I need to, like, touch life. I've been start. I've, like, got a a list of books like a stack of books yeah. sitting beside me that I'm gonna I'm like reading through instead of looking yeah. at a screen when I have free time yeah I just had yeah. to I needed to not look at a screen 
I know. It's it's terrible. Because my job it's, is on a screen, my recreation is on a screen, yep. everything. Yep. It, it's horrible. That's why I'm not sleeping. I just look at a screen all day. Yeah. It'll keep you the fuck up. Also, like, I we're have just sitting all day as well. So, yeah. like, your body is like, you don't need to sleep. I'm sitting on, like, the world's most uncomfortable chair, too. That's so that's not great. great. Like, I don't have my office chair here, so it sucks. I'm like, oh I think God. there's something inherent in creative people. Not to, like, fucking get all up on my high horse about creative people again. Let's do it. But uh, it. that's what my fucking Patreon show is all about, so. Yeah. Um, Which you should listen to. You should. It's called Smile and Nod. You can get it at patreon.com. I was Jeff on Pennington. it. Uh, I need to do another one of those. Well, I don't this month. Um, anyway. <laughs> There's something inherent in creative people that they want to create multiple things multiple ways. And, like, the idea of creating life is such a, like, tantalizing thing to everyone, whether yeah. you know it or not. Yeah. And I feel like that comes through. So many artists I know are also gardeners or also, like, have flowers yeah. or vegetables or something. I would do I've flowers. Wanted to, I've wanted to grow cucumbers and pickle them. Yes. I've, I've pickle wanted, them. Fuck yeah. I've wanted to make pickles so bad. Damn, let's grow cucumbers. I want to put like a area on like the roof because my roof in the summertime is hot as fuck and the sun never stops hitting it. That'd be, be good be for some vegetables for sure. Yeah. It'd be good for flowers too as long as you kept them watered. If I water them. You'd probably have I need to, to if make, they're like in direct sunlight all day, you'd probably have to water them two or three times a day, though. I would need like an awning or something. Yeah. It's like a thing I want to do, though, because I mean, like. That's really like veg- cool, though. I think you should do that. Tomatoes are super easy. They just grow. Oh, yeah. Tomatoes will grow even when you don't want them to Anywhere. sometimes. Yeah, they're, they're like weeds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super weird about tomatoes. I think I've mentioned it yeah, before. I love everything that tomatoes are made into, even tomato yes. juice, but I don't yes. like to eat tomatoes. No, no one does. It tastes like cum. They're, they're so watery. and like, They it's taste like, like jizz. It's like biting into rancid water to me when I bite into That's a tomato. That's like how I feel about coconut water. I love coconut. I fucking love I it, but I will coconut, not hate drink coconut, coconut water. water. <laughs> hate coconut water is like warm, fucking disgusting suntan lotion water. It's Ugh. sick. I hate them both. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, growing flowers, though, like like I said, so many artists and musicians that I know are also gardeners. And yeah. it's just that the idea of creation is sort of permeated into who we are, you know? And I'm sure a lot of people listening feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, now that I've got completely up my ass, uh, he finishes his email by saying, <laughs> That's all for now, boyos. Signed, Mac. Thank you. That was a good one. That was a good one. Could have been shorter. Uh, our next email <laughs> is from Yakub, and <laughs> it is entitled XCOM and Trek Boys. Okay. Since the lockdown started, I ran three campaigns of XCOM and XCOM 2 using Trek Boys from the M-Class show and Discord as soldiers. <laughs> For those not in the know, XCOM is a series of tactical games where you fight back an alien invasion on Earth. The first campaign of XCOM 2 did not go well. The saddest moment was when Jeff and Josh were caught on a covert mission, and it resulted in Josh carry- Jeff carrying Josh's corpse to an extraction point. I mean, he does that in the show, too, so... <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, we lost the game soon after that. 
I soon regrouped and gave XCOM 2 another try. The big story was Sergeant Poppy witnessing the capture of her battlemate, Sergeant Hadley, and a brave rescue mission. Later, both of them reached the highest available rank of Colonel and took part in the final mission. Defeating I would follow both of them. Absolutely. They defeated the alien invasion once and for I mean, all. Yeah, I mean, that's that makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense that we would die and they would do it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty fucking accurate, you're right. <laughs> Josh Henderson formed a bond with Paul Ritchie. Unfortunately, Josh <laughs> fell in battle once again. Man, I, what you're telling me is I should never go to war. <laughs> There's a great photo of you kneeling in your armor wearing a baseball cap, and it says, Go Birds, underneath. <laughs> That's amazing. After that victory, I went on to the first game of XCOM Enemy Within. Jeff bit the dust this time after missing no. many shots and a very important mission. <laughs> Oh my god, we're terrible. The campaign was again a success, driving the aliens away from Earth. Finally. The stupid aliens. Get the fuck out of here, aliens. They've killed both of us now. You twice, me once. Yeah. Fucking aliens. These campaigns were all streamed on the M-Class Discord. They were a lot of fun, especially when people were were invested in their fate in the game. That's awesome. Big shout out to Central Fedco and Captain Desrath for being there most of the time in backseat gaming... I mean, advising. <laughs> if you want to, awesome. if you want to watch or be a part of future Trek Boy games, you can join the Discord by dropping one dollar or more at Patreon.com/slash/MClassPodcast. Ha! I got you. It was a Patreon promo all along. That's amazing. No, I I knew that they were doing like a, they do like a Futurama night, right? They watch. Oh Futurama. yeah, they've, they've watched a ton of Futurama. In yeah. There. That's so easy to watch. You can just do that all night. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That like, I mean, that's the Discord. They they like fucking are like super friends. It's crazy. Oh yeah, there's like a whole fun community, and like people have yeah. been joining lately, getting on the one dollar tier, and yeah, like, they get welcomed immediately and become part of the group. It's really nice. It's kind of like a cult. <laughs> uh, it is a cult. They pay us money to stay in the commune we made for them. <laughs> Good thing we're going to grow pickles. Grow pickles. <laughs> How come this isn't pickle? I thought this was a pickle. What the fuck is this? This pickle tastes like shit. This, this is a water pickle. This is nothing in this pickle. Do you like cucumbers? I love them. Oh, gross. Um, I love cucumbers. Oh, he, yeah. He finishes out by saying, Yours, Commander Yakub of the XCOM project. That's awesome, dude. It's a great Thank email. You. Thank you. <laughs> We're reaching up to the hour-long mark, and I think it's about time that we dive in. Oh man! For the this final time, the ultimate Star Trek Picard episode ten by Rich Masters. Let's just put it off a week. <laughs> Missive to the attentions of the offices of Pennington and Henderson Esquire, boy attorneys or boy attorneys at law. <laughs> Awesome. And intern Cole, if he's there. He is not. We sent him out for coffee. Yeah, you got to go get drinks. Quick disclaimer, this is a long one, even by master standards. Fuck. Damn. Damn. Uh, he didn't listen to your thing that you said. No one ever does. Uh, let's call this <laughs> a feature-length conclusion. It'll be worth it, I hope. Holy shit. Um, again, I'm not going to read any more emails if they're long. Uh, previously on alternate Star Trek Picard... 
The crews of the Stargazer and Titan have utterly failed to stop Locutus's new Borg collective from taking over the Alpha Quadrant with the use of Dodge. The girl has been revealed as a combination of Picard and the Borg Queen's DNA, a daughter of sorts, and a biological viniculum capable of assimilating any biological matter over a swiftly growing range. Oh my god. With the net growing rapidly, how long will it be before the entire galaxy is theirs? <laughs> when all hope is lost, one sole Borg cube has arrived from the Delta Quadrant to help the two ships, a modified Borg cube capable of resisting Dodge's influence, led by what? the Borg Queen herself. That's right, the Queen was the good guy the whole time. <laughs> will it be enough? And can our crew trust her? And now, the conclusion... <laughs> I love it. On the Solea, now orbiting Earth, Locutus regenerates. In his dream, Picard walks down the corridor to engineering and places his hand against the wall of Dodge's viniculum. She smiles at him and places her hand to meet his, then nods in understanding. He wakes. It's like the Star Trek II thing. It is, sort of. It's like poetry. It all rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> He wakes and follows the same route to speak to his daughter. He turns the machine she is imprisoned in off and demand Dodge stand. I must know, he asks the exhausted girl. Why? Why do you resist? You already know, she says. You feel it too, don't you? In a cold fury, Locutus turns the machine back on and leaves, heading to the bridge. Damn. Progeny informs Locutus that now their forces are large enough, that enough sectors are under their direct control, they can begin making modifications to the populace to make their assimilation permanent. Locutus what? stares at the view screen, showing the green net of Borg vessels spread across the quadrant, growing across the Alpha and Beta quadrants. No, he says, we must wait until we are stronger. Progeny goes to question the order, but Locutus snaps angrily, telling his second officer to obey. What? Locutus sits down in the captain's chair and moves to pull his shirt down, only to find nothing there. Ooh, that's really good. There. That's really that's, good. That is good. Hugh has to hold Seven back as she lunges across the Titan's briefing room table at the Queen. The Queen patronizes her, saying that if she wanted them assimilated, they'd already be working waste management on her cube by now. <laughs> Do Borg poop? I guess. Uh, the Queen maintains she's here to help. When Data comments that it is only because she is terrified of losing the entire collective to Locutus, the Queen scowls. Without denying, she admits she has no desire to see a second Borg faction consolidate power. Hugh comments that their cooperative already is a secondary Borg faction, only for the Queen to correct herself. She meant one that is an actual threat to her. Oh, man. In, Fucking. <laughs> in parentheses, he said, how do you like them Borg apples, Hugh? <laughs> the Borg cube she has brought in is specially designed to counter the effects of the biological viniculum, but there was only time to refit one and head through the transwarp corridor before Locutus activated Dodge and took control of the network, using other cubes as decoys. Hold on. <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, I haven't slept. I'm sorry. No, none of us. None of us have. Uh, no sleeping. Hugh asks how many drones died as cannon fodder in her decoy operation. Only 20,000. Easily replaceable, she says. Mm, numbers. 
Does anybody else really like her? Lore cheerfully asks. Uh, I love this. <laughs> the Queen tells them that Data's quick thinking may have saved the Titan's crew, but it won't work for other ships already assimilated. Locutus will have already started rapidly changing frequencies. Riker wants to know how she knows all this, only for her to reply in everyone's mind. All the crew are ex-Borg now so they can hear her. I am Borg. That's that's awesome. Damn. That's man. scary. Title Such Stuff That Dreams Part 2. One month later, Seven stands in the Titan's sick bay with Captain Riker. Are you sure about this? Riker asks. Seven nods. If anyone knows assimilation, it's her. And we've tried everything else. Inside a quarantine field, Rafi Musiker so slowly shuffles back and forth, not looking at anything. Sela tells them that if she were the original Salar, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Salar tells them that if she were the original Borg variation, she would be able to be separated, cured. But this new Borg strain isn't curable with Federation science. Mm. We are no virus, Doctor. We are perfection. The Queen steps forward. This mutation is the reason I rejected this technology in the first place. It is insidious, unnatural, impure. You should have let me see her earlier. Riker instructs Dr. Salar to shut down the force field, but the queen waves her away and steps through the force field with ease. Yeah, I love it. I love the. I love it. This is great. <laughs> she scans Rafi in a casual nature, then injects tubules into her neck. Seven and Riker protest, Riker calling for a security team, but the Queen calls them foolish. In order to purge this impurity, she needs something stronger. The nanites will strengthen her resistance. And then, the Queen pulls the tubules from her neck, leaving a normal-looking Rafi painting, panting on the floor. An antivirus? Seven asks. No, the Queen admits. She simply assimilated Rafi and then forcefully expelled her from the Collective. It, what? It will be painful, but she will gain her individuality quickly. <coughs> oh Dude, god, my throat co- again. Um Yeah. We've been talking for like five hours. <laughs> Can this treatment be mass produced? asks Salar. The Queen scoffs. I thought Vulcans were great thinkers. Nine hundred and fifty billion people have been infected so far. Working at full speed, the Borg on my vessel could create enough nanites in five years. Does your pitiful species have that long? (laughs) Damn, I love the Borg Queen. Red alert sounds, and Riker and Seven rush to the bridge. The Queen slowly follows. Dude, she's so much better than anything that Picard did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. She's so much like this character is amazing. Like I'm picturing what's her name, the act- actor who plays her, uh, Alice Krieg. I think is her the name? one from the movie. The one from the movie. She's she's so super scary. good in the movie. Yeah, she's fucking terrifying. In Stargazer, in the Stargazer, in Captain Tavir's command, has returned from scouting from a scouting mission along with some new friends, the USS Shackleton, the USS Gray Malkin, and the Andorian vessel Cravor. She asks permission to come aboard. Got your Andorians, baby. (laughs) On the Salea, Locutus watches a feed from Earth. The shuffling zombies oddly calm as they go about normal functions like eating and sleeping. He seems oddly disturbed by the process and tells Progeny he must regenerate. When he does, he hears Picard's voice over and over again. 
We are such stuff that dreams are made of. What? Visiting Dodge again, he tells her the phrase keeps repeating over and over in his mind. He demands she tell him what it means. Instead of telling him, she smiles and places her hand against the glass, inviting him to do the same. Locutus recoils, steps back slowly, and leaves engineering. Dude. Tavir briefs our crew on the Titan. She had been able to locate another five ships, the three that returned, along with a Ferengi Marauder and a Cardassian Galar-class vessel. All vessels that were able to develop a similar countermeasure to the Titan. Tavir's mini-fleet were on their way back to the rendezvous when they were ambushed by another Borg cube. If the Ferengi ship had not sacrificed itself and allowed them to get away, they would have all perished. What the fuck are the Ferengi doing being selfless? Yeah, Jesus. damn. The Ferengi have been changed by the Borg. Fuck, dude. The Ferengi... Well, there's no capitalism in the Borg. I guess it's true. They hate they, the Borg so much. They can't handle it. She sent the Cardassian ship to the Gamma Quadrant to see if they could get reinforcements from the Dominion. The Shackleton, wow. Grey Malkin, and Cravor have been sent to recover other deep space vessels. I'd expect more help from the Tribbles, Riker snarls. The Dominion will stay out of it until it affects them directly. It's how the Founders are. Nice. I like this. I like this world building. This is nice. Uh, Me too. Hugh says that at least they took another Borg Cube down, making 17 this week. Lore takes the wind out of his sails instantly, asking his brother how many new cubes they detected in the last weekly scans. 64, admits Data. My calculations are too slow, the queen sneers. It is frustrating working within your parameters of mediocrity. <laughs> Riker, assimilate them. Do it. It's fr- frustrating working with your mediocrity. You didn't beat the game. You didn't learn anything. <laughs> you didn't grow as a person. Um, Riker interrupts, unwilling to indulge her ranting, to ask if she has another solution. Of course, she admits. She explains the select crew could beam over to her cube, then she would change the output frequency to match those in Locutus's ship. It would take all of her focus, but they should be able to head to the Salea, uh, board it, and to get Dodge. If she can sim- assimilate the girl, she could take control of the network and then return the Alpha Quadrant to normal in the same way she did with Rafi. But will she? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Our crew Bye. seems dubious. And Seven voices her concerns as succinctly as she can. You would never return. You would never return all those people. That much power, and you'd give it up. What's the price? Half those lives taken back to the Delta Quadrant. A third. You are so rage-filled, so human. <laughs> if the Borg wanted this quadrant, we would have taken it completely by now. Do you know why we sent one cube to Earth when the Enterprise first encountered us? Or why we sent one cube back to stop first contact with the Vulcans? The Queen smiles. We are eternal. And for a species that will outlast every star in the galaxy, we have one great resource, greater than any other species possesses. Time. Time. (laughs) If one attack does not succeed, we have millions of alternatives. We find a way to balance the equation. For now, Locutus is the threat. For now, he is the enemy. And if you doubt me, why not let one of my ex-Borg assimilate Dodge? You could do it instead. 
At seven, <laughs> shock and disgust at the mere suggestion, Queenie stands, placing a tiny Borg listening device under the table, which no one but Lore notices. She departs, leaving the stunned others to discuss their options. I love the Borg Queen more than anything. Josh has a crush. Make me the Borg. <laughs> Riker, seven, Data, and Tavir talk in Riker's ready room as captains. Riker is dead against it, refusing to trust the word of a Borg. Seven is slightly offended. She is Borg, after all. Data and Tavir are on the fence. Though they understand the Borg Queen and trust do not go hand in hand, what other option is there? Seven feels that they shouldn't trust her, but that her plan is solid. Although she hates the Borg Queen with every fiber of her being, she makes a good point about being able to assimilate them whenever she wanted. Yeah. Deanna comes in, telling Will he should come to the bridge. There's been an attack. Shit. On her cube, the Queen watches as the USS Shackleton, the USS Grey Malkin, and the Cravor are ambushed and destroyed by Locutus's cubes. The Queen smiles. You may come out now. Lore emerges from the shadows in the Queen's chambers. He asks how Locutus found the ships. The Queen reveals she, sh- she sent the ship's coordinates out on an unguarded Borg frequency so that Locutus could destroy the ships. What? Why? Lore asks. To create opportunity, she smiles. Now they don't have a choice, right? Yeah. Why are you here? Lore admits he's willing to pledge loyalty to her and help convince the others so long as she honors Locutus's original agreement. His and Data's safety. The Queen agrees. If Lore helps her take control of Dodge and the Alpha Quadrant, she will let Data, Lore, and the Borg Soong hybrids go free. What? What a deal. <laughs> take the deal. Take the deal. Take the deal. Take the deal. Seven is in sickbay watching Rafi struggle through her Borg withdrawal. Lore approaches Seven and tells her he knows it doesn't count for much, but in his opinion, the Borg Queen presents the only way out of this. Rafi wakes, explaining that Lore has earned his place on their crew, and it's about time they started to trust one another. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, God, Rafi's under the Borg Queen's control. She's, she's a Borg, baby. Oh, no. In the Titans' briefing room, the crew argue about a way forward in light of their new loss. The split seems to be that Riker, Troy, Rafi, and Data do not want to follow the Queen's plan. Seven, Hugh, and Lore do. I don't think number one really understands the question. Maybe. Riker implies that the Titan is stronger and won't be sacrificed on some foolhardy mission. Hugh argues that they should never have counted on Starfleet for help. Seven can't believe Rafi is turning on her crew, but Rafi says she uh, she's always been Starfleet. Data asks Lore to see reason for once. Tavir's on the fence, but ultimately chooses the Queen's side simply because it is the most logical course of action. Nice. Meanwhile, aboard the cube, the Queen watches their interaction, enjoying the cracks that start to form. A diplomatic Troy suggests that maybe they all need a break, that the events of the day are too raw. Riker agrees and suggests that no one should make any decisions before they can talk more. As those who want to follow the Borg Queen's plan are left alone, Seven asks Lore to site-to-site transport them to the Borg Cube. Mutiny. Seven, Hugh, Lore, and Tavir arrive aboard the cube as the Queen is finishing preparations to mask the ship from Locutus' forces. 
She's that confident. It's nice to see we're a collective once more, she purrs at seven. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> once, her, once her modifications are complete, the cube heads for the Solea at maximum warp, leaving the Titan and Stargazer behind. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> On the Solea, Locutus has accessed Picard's old logs, growing increasingly distressed at Picard's obvious moral compass and emotion. He goes to see Dodge once more, and Progeny is studying her. He asks Locutus why he has turned the Viniculum off so many times. Locutus is almost embarrassed, almost ashamed at being found out. He lies, telling Progeny he was trying to find ways to make the spread of the signal more efficient. Mm. Before leaving, Progeny looks Locutus over, clearly unconvinced. Damn. Borg mutiny on both fronts. Lying seems an exercise in futility, Dodge says, offering her hand at the glass once more. Locutus obliges and is assailed with more of Picard's memories. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, he whispers. The cube crew watch the view screens from the Queen's chamber as they pass into Sector 001. That's Oif. They pa- <laughs> It's Oif! Hey, that's Oif. That's where I live. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> they pass ten Borg cubes guarding the Solea. Hugh is twitchy at being this close to the Borg, back on a cube. Tavir puts a hand on his arm and encourages him to take deep breaths. Seven notices and asks if Hugh is okay to keep going. With a nod, he confirms he is. When Seven turns around, her hands tighten on the console until her knuckles whiten. The Solea zooms slowly into view. Seven, Hugh, Lore, and Tavir beam over to the Solea, armed and prepared to encounter resistance. But there is none. Every single one of Locutus's Borg lie on the floor. Tavir's scans show that they are not dead, simply powered down. Sleep, Data. They make Sleep. <laughs> They make their way to engineering, only to find Locutus helping Dodge down from her vaniculum prison, leading a suspicious seven to ask what is happening. <laughs> Dodge says that Locutus isn't a threat anymore, and though our team are skeptical, Locutus talks in an almost Picard voice. He explains that somehow Picard has changed his reasoning centers from within, much the same as he was slowly assimilating Picard throughout the season. Picard has been assimilating Locutus. What? He's already disabled most of the crew, but doesn't know how to shut down the network. Sleep data. (laughs) Over comms, the Queen instructs Seven to follow the plan, to assimilate Dodge, then immediately eject her from the Collective, allowing everyone she's connected to to be ejected too. As Seven injects Dodge, she and the the rest of the team all collapse. All except Lore. Weak. The Borg Queen smiles as she taunts them over the comms. Sentimental. Trusting. Did you think you could all just leave? You will always be Borg. I could have reactivated any of you at any time. Let Talk me explain once more. We are eternal. God, I love this. <laughs> Back on the cube as Queenie tries to assert her control over the newly acquired network and assimilate the billions of lives once under Locutus's control, she herself doubles over in agony. She begs for Lore's help, only for Lore to respond... My apologies. I believe you have mistaken me for someone else. Nice. Data, she hisses. 
Laura walks into the Queen's chamber. I'm usually not one for the whole villainous monologuing thing, but I wanted to watch your face as you realize how utterly fooled you were. <laughs> we spread your attention and focus as thin as we could. So thin, in fact, that you didn't even notice Riker, Rafi, Troy, and myself beam over and start disassembling your entire network on this cube. Your own vaniculum is gone, your drones freed, and with you still prevented from returning your consciousness back to the Delta Quadrant, you're alone. Your Majesty. <laughs> Lore bends down, curling a finger around her chin, lifting her face to meet his. Now let's see if perfect order and perfect chaos are the match made in heaven we thought it would be. <laughs> Lore uses his own tubules to assimilate the queen. What? He shuts the queen down with a smile, leaving him in charge of the whole Borg network. Only data is free. Gotta admit, brother. It's tempting, Lore laughs. <laughs> Me and the rulers of the universe? Data's voice is grim over the comms. Lore, do not joke. <laughs> hey, you were always such a goody two-shoes, Lore replies. Data instructs Lore to shut down the network, but Lore refuses. It's not enough, brother. Someone could reactivate it. Reactivate me. Some other avoir, like Laura Graham. All the Collective's keys are mine now, and there's one surefire way to destroy the Borg once and for all. Fuck, dude. Lore seals the Queen's chambers and self-destructs himself, taking what? the Borg Queen with him. What? What the fuck? What universe is Holy shit. With the Borg and biological network hierarchy now destroyed, the crew start to wake from their standby modes. Data and Dodge rush to Picard, who mutters one final time, such stuff that dreams are made on. And our little life is rounded with a sleep, Dodge finishes, crying as Locutus shuts down. Oh no. Don't, don't do this. Uh, two months later... As the galaxy returns slowly to normal and its inhabitants recover from their Borgification, our crew moves on with the next stages of their lives. For his part in the saving of the entire galaxy, Captain Riker has been made Admiral and Head of Starfleet by the Federation President. Jesus. That's a promotion. That's quite a promotion. <laughs> Fleet Admiral? Alright. He calls Rafi into his office and promotes her to Captain, telling her that it's about time she took up a chair... He gives her the first of a new type of Federation exploration ship, the Olympian class. All it needs is a name. Riker, Rafi tells Riker she read his report on Picard's death. It's a shame that Locutus's body was destroyed like the Borg Queen's. Riker can't help but give a small smile. <laughs> Cue the brand new USS Stargazer departing space dock with Captain Musiker in charge. Uh, that's cool. I like how you didn't name it the Enterprise. That's yeah, good. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Commander Troy walks with Hugh to an airlock. She asks what's next for him. With an uncharacteristic smile, Hugh explains that the Borg Collective, now completely erased, there are millions of Borg waking up to a world where they're free. Seven and he are taking the Queen's new and improved cube to the Delta Quadrant to create a new cooperative. Oh man, this is great. Troy asks Seven... Uh, Troy asks how Seven is, and Hugh admits that he never seen her more focused, more content. We see Seven working with the ex-Borg to get the ship ready to warp. Troy admits to Hugh she can feel how happy they both are. 
After Hugh boards, Troy watches the cube enter the transwarp network and vanish. Tavir stands in front of a classroom teaching ethics to the now-independent Borg-Sung androids. Without the Borg influence, they are like children, and Tavir raises an eyebrow at their innocent intelligence. She dismisses the class and shuts down the holodeck program, then enters the corridor of a research facility overlooking the landscape of a barren moon. She enters a door at the end of the lab where Data is working. She rests a hand on his shoulder and asks, How is our work progressing, husband? What? <laughs> Data got married! <laughs> Data studies a computer panel where two schematics for smaller child-sized androids are lit up. He presses a button, and the assembled androids rise from the ground on lift. It goes well, Tavir. Say hello to Lol and Lore. Oh my god. The sun, Lol. <laughs> the sun sets over a, modi- a modest cottage atop a hill that overlooks a newly terraformed colony. It's as fledgling a settlement as you can imagine. A new frontier on the edges of the known Alpha Quadrant. Short-range vessels casually come and go from the town's spaceport, and a man sits on a bench, watching the ships, his faithful dog beside him. He stands, picking up the box sitting next to him on the bench, and walks off into the forest. We hear Picard talk in a voiceover. This is the final log of retired Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, formerly Starfleet, formerly Captain of the USS Enterprise, former Borg, former would-be savior and destroyer of the galaxy. Once this log is complete, I leave behind a life that I fought long and hard to obtain. A life I not only felt was my duty to pursue, but a life I also thought was complete. Picard digs a small hole, number one staring at him as if he's mad. Picard places the box in the hole. Tomorrow, I wash that slate clean to begin a journey that scares me more than first contact, more than war. He opens the box. Inside are his pips, his Starfleet communicator, his uniform. He places the lid firmly back on and covers the box with soil. A beeping comes from the pocket, from his pocket, and he brings up a small civilian communicator. Dodge to Jean-Luc. Dinner's ready, old man. I said ten minutes. His daughter scolds. (laughs) Yes, sir, Picard smiles, scratching number one behind the ear and beckoning him back towards home. Once, I was given the gift of experiencing a different existence, living someone else's life in 25 minutes. Now it's time to try for myself in what time I have left. I've been given a gift too precious to squander, one that I believe I have no right to and did not think I had time left to obtain. I was wrong. Picard looks skyward as another spaceport shuttle lifts off and heads out to the stars. We follow it. I just had to make it so. The end. Alright, Rich. This is like your Rich. This is like your watchman. Like the series. It's like perfect. This is fucking perfect. Damn, man. Everybody got a great ending. This is amazing. I'm really impressed, man. No, this is amazing. this is amazing. Like this is great. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't I don't even know what to say. It's yeah. so it's it's I don't, as I don't know someone who's seen Picard, this is all so much better than Picard that it's insane. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> like so. uh you can tell that like there's a little bit of 
quarantine-itis going on, which I, I love because it's like the Borg are a virus, right? It's very, it's well done, man. Every part of this is great. I, I love this. I this is agree. my Picard. I will I will not watch Picard. Yeah, this, this is, is the real Picard. Picard, and that yeah. other series is the alternate Picard. People, I feel like people need to like like listen to this and like read this shit and like understand that like rich fucking masters, this English guy <laughs> from England, just wrote an entire series infinitely better than Picard, the actual show. Like infinitely, it really is infinitely this is ridiculous. Better. Uh, he finishes up the email by saying, so that's that. Five months of work, nearly half as long as it took me with the first draft of my novel, which is a slightly terrifying <laughs> oh, no. statistic. No, don't think of it that way. It's been, bad joke absolutely intended, a long road. I've stuck <laughs> to the structure. <laughs> Getting from there to here. Yeah, where's the, is that song playing at the end? I hope so. Oh, God. I've stuck to the structure and story I originally set out on day one. Try to keep the character cameos in keeping and to the service of the story rather than being a fan service element. I've worked to contain potential plot holes or loose threads and to craft a genuine mystery that both encapsulates, encapsulates the old feel of TNG and do something a bit different that would exist in today's television world. I hope it worked. I hope people have enjoyed it. And I certainly fucking have. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, this, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. So thank you, Rich, for even doing, like, you didn't have to do this. And, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that, not amazed that you did it, because I know you're extremely capable and very, very, very smart. But, you didn't have to like give our show this gift, you know. No, it's we don't deserve it either. No, is the thing. We it's don't. it's like <laughs> no. such a beautiful, amazing gift, and yeah. it's on our fucking dick and butt show. It, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I think I don't know, man. I feel like the people would benefit from seeing that, like somebody who's an actual Star Trek fan, like you, Rich, like can make a amazing show like this would be the most incredible like when i compare it to watchmen like i mean that like and i think that that's like the most perfect adaptation and sequel ever made and i think that this would be the perfect sequel to tng like it's it's great i i don't i agree wholeheartedly like josh just put it in the words better than i could um, I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say. So <laughs> he, he mentions a few creepy parallels to the CBS Picard series. Rafi okay. calls Picard JL. Uh, <laughs> Seven sorta becomes a Borg queen. Sorta. Sorta. Picard quotes the Tempest's such stuff that dreams are made on in both mine and the CBS finale. Weird how That's that happens. Interesting. That's very interesting. Anywho, it's been an absolute pleasure writing this, bar the moments of stress as I try and get this finished while caring for the lockdown kid. <laughs> and your constant praise and encouragement has been much appreciated, as has the vehicle for these episodes. I think I'll have a beer tonight. Till next time, yeah. Rich, chief of long emails aboard the USS <laughs> Somebody Get That Boy a Spell Check. <laughs> I mean, I think we should just end the show. We don't even need to say anything. I don't even. I got nothing. It's you've definitely brought a class and a worth 
to our show that's going to be sorely missing, but I believe yeah. you've earned yourself as long a vacation as you ever wish for. Yeah, I hope you're not... I mean, I'm very selfish. I'm a very selfish person. <laughs> so I hope you're not burying your writer's pips and uniform because no. I love... I mean, I I mean, I wouldn't ever ask you to ever do this again because this no. is crazy. Rich uh, actually sent me his novel, like oh yeah, the newest version of his novel to read as well. So I'm gonna dive oh, into that shit. That's awesome. Yo, I would read that shit. Yeah, I'll ask him if I can send it on. Yeah, yeah, send send it to Josh. I'll sign whatever. I'll sign your NDA, whatever you want. (laughs) He didn't make me sign one. I could just fucking sell everything. He doesn't even know. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. No, man. Uh, I I hope that, like, there's more Rich Masters stories, but I, I mean, this. Man, this is a massive undertaking, and uh, I can't believe you did it. I can't believe you did it. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. It is. It's exactly what I wanted. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, I will say, uh, I gave my little spiel about long emails earlier. You guys fucking know me. You know I'll probably end up reading them anyway, but please don't. Like, <laughs> if an email seems like something long enough that you wouldn't send it to a coworker, That's a good point, yeah. Like, you can send a couple paragraphs, like three four like even it doesn't matter like the one that i thought was long wasn't that long because it was written really breezy right but like if it's too long to send to a co-worker don't send it to us uh or send you know what co-worker. edit it down and then send it to us say dear co-workers josh and jeff but what that dick do <laughs> sends <laughs> Nah, uh, the one where I gave the spiel turned out to not be that long, so sort of aim at that to be, like, the longest you can go, and I think that'll be good. Uh, which one was that, you might ask? Well, let me look and see. one? The fourth one? (laughs) It was the one from, uh, Michael James. Michael James. Yeah, Michael James' story about the fall of satellite M wasn't as long as yeah. I thought it was going to be. So aim, yeah. aim for that as the absolute maximum length and you'll be perfect for our show. Golden rich masters, of course, broke the mold and sent us war and peace like 30 times. Thank you, rich masters. <laughs> but, uh, he gets special, he gets special dispensation for that. Like you have to be granted yeah. such a thing. He's like a knight. He's like an M-class knight. He's been on the show as the th- as well. Like he wasn't oh, for a right. while, but he has been on the show. If like ri- if like fucking Kevin Cole wants to send us War and Peace, he can. But that's probably yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, All of these were good. The- you guys didn't fuck yeah. up this time. All of it was great. <laughs> you guys did fuck up. Nah, you guys were good. <laughs> Nah, I love I love this show, and uh, thanks for just even like sending anything to us. Oh yeah, like there are times when we don't get anything. Is why I like I really yeah. try and skirt the line between like guys, it's tough because it's guys yeah. don't send in a ton of shit, right. but like send right. in something, you know? It's tough. Yeah, it's tough because like it, it's you don't want to. Yeah, I don't have like a real parameter for it either. Is the thing? It's a feel. Yeah, it's weak. It's all just send in whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna do that. That's they're, fine. They're gonna. That's fine. Just send it in. Whatever. I think I'm done. Whatever. Like chastising people for the long emails. I'll either read them or I won't. That's a, yeah, that'll be the end of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not your dad. Um, I'm your <laughs> shitty uncle who barely comes around. 
I might be your dad. Who knows? Who knows what this guy and his just slinging. He's just slinging all around town. My jizz has been everywhere. Hacking, whacking, and smacking, chopping up meat. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. Uh, thank you to everybody who listens to our podcast, who enjoys it, who really gets a kick out of it. Thank you to our patrons, most of all, patreon.com slash podcast. You guys are what keeps us on the air, keeps us going, and it yeah. means so much to us that you want to support what we do. Yeah, even through this crazy bullshit that we're all suffering through. Yeah, it's it's even more meaningful when people are putting yeah. down money today because yeah. a lot of people don't know when the next paycheck is even going to come from but they do know that they're going to give us a dollar out of it or five dollars right. or ten dollars and that which really is, means which a is lot crazy yeah it's crazy thank you and uh just thank you all so much for enjoying our program uh thank you to rich masters who uh really did something fucking special over the course of this season and we really appreciate it Incredible. And we'll be back in a week or two with more M-Class goodness. So bye-bye. Bye.